Welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and horror novels. My name's Evan. And I'm Chad. And today you're joining us for part two of our recap of book two of the Lycanius trilogy by James Eilington, an echo of things to come. Things are happening now. Things are here. They're not even coming. They're here. This has been quite the read through for sure, because the first part of the book, and we knew it was coming. We earned it. We had to earn it. Right. And like the first part, it was just a lot of setup, almost to the point where I was pretty bored. Yeah, I was bored and confused. The bad combo, not the greatest combo ever. But now I'm engaged. I am excited for things and really, really, really entertained and intrigued. The author displayed something that I think is a talent of his. And the more I learn or the more I read, the more I'm convinced of it. And we mentioned it briefly in, I think, probably a few episodes. He poses some mystery and he sets up the scene. And then as opposed to drawing it out for this huge length of time, he ends it or he'll allow the story to move on. And we got a lot of that in the last 200, 300 pages that we just read. He like answered questions had things come to a head and then move on beyond them. And it was really nice. And the questions that were answered spawned even more interesting questions. Yeah. Whereas before when I was reading, it would just spawn like equally interesting questions. <laughs> right. And I know that that seems like a really specific distinction, but it's an important one because whereas before I was left feeling a little confused and frustrated by the sheer amount of things that I didn't know. Now I do know quite a few things and because i know quite a few things those further questions are that much more exciting and i really want to know the answer well said and like you have enough that you can kind of start making predictions as to the answers of those questions where before it was like i don't even know what they're talking about half the time because i wasn't up with the terminology because it was mentioned to me once like 70 pages ago and now it's like okay I understand enough and I know enough that not only do I understand the questions that I'm now asking, I can kind of make little predictions, which is really fun and engaging and helps me uh, enjoy the process more. I think it helps a lot that I don't know about your copies, but I have the uh, English copies of they're a little bit smaller than the, the big giant American copies. I have this one. I think this is the American. Pretty huge. Mine have a glossary at the back. Oh, really? And a dramatis personae. Does yours have a glossary? The first book did not. So I just assumed that this one didn't. Uh, no, mine does not have a glossary. Oh, okay. So mine has a glossary, which has been oh, so I'm so jealous. Oh, it does have a glossary. Oh, my gosh. Hey. Dude. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> man. I am so sad that I didn't know about this. My first book definitely did not. And it has a glossary of characters and, uh, and dramatis persona. Wow. That's helped quite a bit because... Eilington, you're a great author, but you really love using words with the letters S and H right next to each other. Just and D's and V's and A's and L's. He's really into those. The, yeah. the, A, the AE combination. Yes. For sure. A-E. That's throwing me <laughs> off quite a bit. But yeah, I'm really into this. This is really good. This is about the most excited I've been about these books so far. Me too. With the maybe slight exception of the very end of the first book. That was pretty um, awesome. But this has been great. And with that, let's dive into our first synopsis. All right. Davian, imprisoned by Rohan in a con-blocked cell, is rescued by Fessy. They explore Tol Shen, and Fessy collapses. Fessy is able to augment time even while unconscious, and they make their way out of the Toll to meet Eren. Caden makes his way into a deserted city. In one of the buildings, he finds a torture device much like the one he freed Meldir from. Asiliar appears and proceeds to beat Caden to a pulp. 
A man appears and interrupts the fight. Caden passes out and has a memory of speaking with Asiliar about his doubts about what El has asked them to do. Caden reveals he's powering an Ilshara. Caden puts Asiliar into the needle device which drains her essence. Weir brings Brashada to the stables. We find out Brashada was the person the Gilshar from Desriel thought was a spy. She has been turned into a gifted somehow. Weir considers turning her in because it would make him look good. Brashada says the reason that she helped Weir and Davian and Telmiel was because Tal Kamar offered her the sword Whisper in exchange for helping them. Weir agrees to help her on the condition that she doesn't kill any more gifted. Weir and his sister find an oath stone and an old book in his father's study. Weir and his mother argue, and Weir leaves the estate with his sister. Asha wakes up and relates her experience in the sanctuary to Teris and Braze. Asha thinks she can find answers in Dylanus. Caden wakes up to find Alaris with him. They speak about Asiliar, and Caden has another memory, this time of being locked up under Alaris's guard for 80 years. Alaris says Caden's sentence has been carried out and releases Caden to resume his search. We find out Alaris used to be a king. Alaris tells Caden that Nethgala has the vessel Caden is looking for. Davian, Eren, Fessy, and Driskan Thrall conspire to separate Rohin and Ashel by locating a vessel that will drain an augur's source from anywhere by feeding the vessel a trace. They break into the Tolshen vaults. Davian takes the dagger and an amulet from the vault, pausing to study two swords on the wall before reuniting with Thrall. Rohin and Ashel show up with some elders. They're able to subdue Rohin with the dagger and amulet in turn. Weir and his sister travel back to Ilin Ilan with Brashada. They meet with Elric, whom Weir instructs to hide Brashada in a vacant administration building. Finally alone, Weir opens his father's book and reads an account of events revolving around the gifted from before the war. Weir and Terra speak about his father's book and Brashada. Elric tells Weir he's trying to leave town for something and asks Weir not to mention his absence to Ditsia. Weir starts reading his father's book again. Caden arrives in Ilin Ilan and asks for Princess Caroline. He has another memory of Nethgala and tells Caroline about himself, omitting a few more grisly details. Whoa, you uh, didn't leave anything out there, my friend. There was nothing. To, I couldn't. There's no, so many so things important. happen. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like when, you know, and I try to take the best notes that I can. No, they were great. And, and get them and file them down. But just so many things were happening. It was a lot. How many pages did we are we covering today? Just out of curiosity. Uh, two hundred fifty. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so a decent chunk. Yeah, but like not that much for so many things that happened. A lot of things that went down. Yeah. So one of the parts that I thought was really really interesting was the conversation between Caden and Asiliar right before Caden puts Asiliar into that. It was like yeah. one of the visions, right? It was really horrific. And he was kind of alluding to like this mission. It seems like that the venerator on from L and he doesn't seem to have any real faith in it succeeding. Yeah. What did you think about that? I don't quite know what the mission is. Cause so far up to that point, they're just kind of like the hero friends that are going around. I kind of see them as like, you know, kind of angel types and they have this band of really powerful immortals and they go around and they take out bad guys. But I think you're right there is some sort of overarching mission that is their purpose for existing in the first place and i guess that is to destroy shameloth and and fate 
Who's trying to kill fate? Do you remember? <laughs> I think because I get confused about that. The lith are trying. I know. I, I get the lith and the venerate because mixed. I, I think it was Hilaris... L. L took the um L Shomela took over the planet, and then L did something. L created the venerate because it was his way of saying like of breaking uh, Shomela's fate system that he set up so he could have control back. Is that correct? I think. Honestly, <laughs> I have no idea, man. Because I get I get the lith and the venerate kind of mixed up. Yeah. Right. Like uh, the venerate is obviously Asiliar and Alaris and Caden, uh, Gassandred. Right. And, right. It's it's all I get that, um, but I don't really. I don't really know who the lith are. The, I I think the lith are like this kind of. We haven't seen the lith yet. At least I don't think we have. Didn't when the first time go. Well, isn't when Caden used the portal box for the first time? Isn't that one of the lith? When he gets the sword, yeah. When he, when he gets Lycanius, maybe. Yeah, I think, I think like that's the, the lith. The fiery, the fiery guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The 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 that's like, like volcano land. That's like one of the parts of this series that, um, it's kind of like like am I am I kind of dumb here? No, no, um, I don't think that you are because I've gone back multiple times thinking the same thing because I'm like ah, I just didn't remember typical me and then I'm like no no man. I think maybe that whole storyline is kind of the capital P big plot, right? Yes, I agree. I, I was kind of confused, honestly, um, as to what their mission is. And I'm confused as to why Caden thought it necessary to take his friends, obviously his good friends, Meldier, Asiliar, and lock them in crazy torture land for millennia. Well, it's powering the boundary. Right, but and I guess and that's holding Shemeloth back, the big dark bad guy. I don't know. I think th those are the pieces that I'm kind of starting to fit together. Is that Caden wasn't or Talcamar was not confident about their ability to do this. Right? right. So he was kind of just like, I'm gonna do whatever I have to do, and I'm sorry, you're my friends, and this is tearing me up. This is totally tearing me apart. But we have to get this barrier like fueled. Yeah, and it was like fueled or. I just stole your word, but it was, he was motivated by um, his lack of faith in L is what I got. Totally. And there is that whole through line throughout these books, mm -hmm. right? Which I think is definitely interesting. And it's interesting how each character kind of, um, cause it seems like kind of a, uh, for lack of a better word, kind of like a secular world, right? I mean, like some, I feel like maybe like Desriel seems to be a little bit more traditional mm -hmm. and maybe religious. They seem to, they have like nine gods. They seem to kind of worship yep. the venerate, but I mean, Andara doesn't seem like they really, you know, it's not doesn't seem to be that big of a deal to them. Ever since the augers went out of style 20 years ago, they were kind of like, ah, we're just agnostic now. Yeah. Well, I found that conversation really interesting, and I thought it pushed a lot of the plot forward. Uh, it was still a little confusing, but mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense why Asiliar came back and just beat the crap out of okay Caden, that was that, that was such a cool scene when you when you asked me at the end of this what's my favorite scene of the book i'm pretty sure that's going to be it right if yeah. i was like a really good filmmaker and i had like a final i would make that scene can you imagine how awesome it would look moving like in and out of time oh man and there's like he's, he's like i blew up a building and hilarious was like yeah but you didn't get the person that were, you were fighting no that part was really cool yeah, very well explained or very well described. And I was just so into it. And she beats the crap out of him. Yeah. And like the conversation that Caden and Alaris have, and Alaris is kind of just like, I mean, did you see what you did to her? 
It's yeah. been thousands of years. She's been tortured forever. Of course, she's super upset. And yeah, that was all. That was all really great. Um, okay, so Asha is talking to Terrace and telling him what she saw in the sanctuary. And two things. One, she carefully avoids referencing the veil, the thing that makes her invisible, to Terrace. Why does she do that? I, I didn't understand her motivations. She doesn't tell him about the sword either. Yeah, and that was my other thing is, what were your thoughts on the swords? They're obviously special. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, Lacanius is one of those swords, I think. Yeah, so is Whisper, Prashada's sword. Yes, uh-huh. Um, and then knowing, and then there's a couple other, I can't remember their names. I'm sure they'll come up at some point though, but I don't know. I don't, I don't, I mean, Asha doesn't seem to really trust Terrace because there was that weird sketchy conversation between Terrace and Lyman at the end of book yeah, one. Yeah, that's right. And Asha didn't spend really any time on the road with Terrace in book one. So maybe she's just kind of hedging her bets, right? Okay. It's less that Terrace is bad or that there's any evidence to show it, but there's a lack of evidence for her to trust him. Right. Why would you reveal a potential weakness if you don't fully trust somebody? There's no reason to. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. Asha's really smart and she's she been, is. she's been fooled before. So it it, it, <laughs> yes. it was pretty in line with her character. I mean, it was a little, you know, it's just more secrets that, you know, yeah. there's events and, and, and like inevitably there's going to be a chapter where Terrace is going to say, I think you owe me an explanation, Asha. <laughs> yeah. and it's gonna, and, and then she's gonna have to tell him a bunch of stuff that we already know, and it's gonna be, it's, and then the chapter's gonna end, and it's gonna, yeah. And no, that's you're happened entirely like correct. Times. Yeah, the amount of times that I see, like, I think you owe me an explanation. Well, I forgot that she wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you're so true. So many times. I, I forgot that she didn't travel with Terrace though. So like, right, I in yeah. my brain, I'm like, dude, he's like the homie, you know? Like, I wish in fact we had more Terrace time. I really like him, but he he tends to come into the story, have a big role for a small little chunk, and then he like drops off the face of the planet to the point that I kind of forget about him. And then all of a sudden he'll show up in like a conversation again. I'm like, oh, right, Terrace. What's he been doing this whole time? Wait, and it, and it kind of adds to this weird dynamic that I've been noticing in these books is that it's kind of like the adults and the 17-year-olds. Yes. And that's odd. I don't know. It's just, it's It's like... The seventeen-year-olds are out there, and they're they're causing all kinds of ruckus. And then <laughs> they run back to Terrace, and they're like, "What does this all mean?" And Terrace is like, "Give me a little bit. I'll try to figure it out." And then he does. And then it's it's like, I feel like Terrace is kind of like this rock of knowledge. Yeah, like a Gandalf Obi Wan combined type character. Yeah, but just kind of. I don't really know what his game is because remember, like, there's this whole thing back in. Dylanus in like the first book where he's like trying to get into some building for some reason he's trying to access oh, yeah like, and like that hasn't been brought up really it was the library he wanted to go yeah, to the library he was trying yeah. to get in there to like figure something out but like I kind of forgot what he even wanted you know I don't so think we like, ever knew well he's 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 come in and out of the story as like really and it's I feel like the same thing to a certain extent has happened with Davian too where Davian was really prominent and now he's just kind of taking up space. He was the main character in the first book, in my opinion. But now I would say it's Caden. I think Caden is absolutely yeah. the main character. And I'm fine with it. I like Caden a lot. Too. He's the uh, most or interesting. Talcomar or Arkind Devade or yeah. Tal or whatever the Desrealites call him. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was reading and um Prashada's like it was it was this guy and um Caden's like or no, and Weir said Talcomar and she's like well we call him this and I was like oh cool he's got a fourth name <laughs> great cool that's what he needs yeah you know what let's have him have another name. secret too let's give him another secret yeah. give him another name perfect so many a little flesh out his character <laughs> also while we're just pointing out funny things is it just me or is every 20 pages someone going conscious 
I believe there was three chapters in a row that one of them, Davian loses consciousness. The other one, um, Asha loses consciousness. And then the third one, Caden <laughs> loses consciousness. And then where is just like sleeping? Yeah. Weir loves to sleep. He loves to sleep. He didn't do his administrative work. The last chapter I ended on, uh, chapter 37, I believe, ends with, and he had a lot of administrative work to do. <laughs> it's funny because there's a chapter before that it says he had a lot of reading to do. Yeah. <laughs> Weir just loves to read and sleep. Hey, being North Warden is exhausting. Dude, it must be. Okay, on that note, tell me what your thoughts were about his okay i'm like frustrated are you frustrated that the fact that like they were just attacked by everyone from the boundary and then the whole city's poo-pooing him but like dude it wasn't like the boundary is not need doesn't need to be our focus right now we need to be building the city back and he's like yeah but we just like almost got totally slaughtered what are your thoughts on that do you think it's realistic do you think um i mean i wouldn't be surprised to find out that a decent amount of the the tolathian council and the, the Ilan, Ilan, like administrators and stuff. I bet like a decent amount of them are being controlled. Ooh, yeah, I wouldn't be, be right. surprised about that all. Like, but I don't know. It, it makes a decent amount of sense too how gun shy they are about this whole amnesty thing. I mean, the the schism between the augurs and the gifted and everybody else, you know, is like this three way schism or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that seems to have really traumatized this whole country or the whole continent. It makes a lot of sense that they don't want a gifted person running things they're so set in their ways um so it makes a lot of sense that weir has all of this opposition i've i've been on team weir for a while now same because he seems to take a lot of this stuff in stride incredibly he's, so yeah he's very you can see how frustrated he is with it but he jokes around with people too and he's not just like this he hasn't been beaten by this situation and I really like watching him continue to not be beaten by it. Cause he could have succumbed to that beatings that he receives time and time again. And I feel the exact same. I'm always like kind of worried whenever he gets like a real lashing by like, you know, his mom that happened a few times. I'm like, Oh man, are we going to get uh, a depressed few chapters of, of were before? And like, you know, he'll get to go down on himself for like a paragraph or two. And then he's like, no, I am the, this is my country. I am the North Warden. This is what I'm doing. And I'm going to do it well. And he raises his chin up and keeps on trudging. You're like, all right, we're. So after the awesome scene of the fight between Asiliar and Caden, Caden loses consciousness and then wakes up and Alaris is sitting there and they have this conversation about their friendship. Uh, he has this memory where he's like, oh, we were like besties, BFFs back in the day. Um, what were your thoughts about that? Did it, did you like Alaris more? Do you because he's like clearly not good or bad? Like, what are you what, what are you thinking? I mean, I don't really have any strong thoughts on Alaris either way. I don't really know what side he's on because he seems to want to help Caden, but also is discouraging him from doing what he's doing at the same time. I don't really know. I bet Alaris is. I mean, I'll predict it right now. I bet Alaris is like one of the main characters because everybody seems to be different people. Yeah. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Alaris is like Weir or yeah asha yeah. or or david should we tell or... everyone what we think we're gonna save it for the end of the episode okay okay we'll save it for the end our prediction <laughs> i think we're right but i mean i think i think um it's it's always hinting at something right i mean we're uh, maybe by alaris's body language the way that he kind of kicks the sword over that was kind of a cool part where caden's mm -hmm. being all sketchy he's like oh, i really want my sword back and alaris is like you can have your sword back it's fine like <laughs> <laughs> um but i don't know that uh whenever there's whenever alaris pops in 
yeah, I definitely don't really know what to think. I think that's where I'm supposed to be sitting. I think right? so too. Because the first time we ran into him, he tricked Caden and like almost got him killed. Even though he explains, well, you you can't be killed. You're immortal, so it really wasn't that big of a thing. That but I why did. did he do it anyway? Then he it's, explains it. I forget the reason. He kind of brushed it off. It was like this yeah. weird throwaway line. He's like, ah, what are you gonna do? I also thought it was kind of funny when he <laughs> says, uh, he says to Caden, he's like, he's like, why did you? Or Caden asks Alaris, why did you give me the sword back? And he's like, because I know. Like in my heart of hearts, that you would never like kill your friend, and I'm thinking like, yeah, just like torture one for millennia. <laughs> right. What is up with Caden? Is he just bouncing around with this portal box, just on some kind of spirit quest? Dude, he's spirit journeying hard, man. I have this note here. It's from chapter 25 when Caden is in Ilin Elan and he asks for Princess Caroline, and he's out in the garden or whatever, and then he sees Caroline walking up, and it literally says, "And then the memory hit." Like it hits him. Like <laughs> these memories can come out of nowhere, and I don't. I still don't understand what is the box just randomly giving him memories. I never got the impression that the box was the thing giving him memories. It was just him using the box, uh, which takes him to places that then triggers the memories. And as he, as the time goes on, he's starting to be hit with more and more memories. So was him seeing Caroline, did that trigger a memory of him and Nethgala? Yeah. Because that scene was pretty cool. It was That scene cool. was very, very good. And like I said, he gets movement. It's awesome. Progression. But I just think it's, you know, it's just funny how, you know, you're cruising right along with Caden and then it's it just <laughs> dumps you into this, you know, thousand years ago, here's a bunch of stuff you'd never heard of before. And, it's, and then it's just, you just, you, you kind of zone out of it back into the present again, which I think is the intention, right? I mean... We are like I, we feel just as uh, just as discombobulated as Caden does, and it, you know he's got this princess walking toward him, and he's just like, Ugh. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know what that was. I think that's <laughs> what did it right. It's because he he's into her, and so maybe it reminded him of past love. Right. But I wonder if he gets um, frustrated of thinking in italics. Thinking in italics, um, I think Princess Caroline is. I'm going to predict that Princess Caroline is like. Um, Alluvialia. Alluvialia. The one that dies, dies? I don't know. Or Nethgala. I don't think Caroline is Nethgala. Oh, that would be pretty interesting if Caroline was Nethgala. I think. I think you don't know. I think we don't know anything. It's almost useless for us to even make this podcast because we're just like, oh, this could be it. This could be it. And our our poor listeners, if they've read these books, are just no face palming every sense we say. I love it though. I love nerding out about this kind of stuff. Me too. Someone is Nethgala right now. Someone that we know and have followed for a long time, I think, is Nethgala. Because that's her thing. She constantly is trying to get in there. And poor Caden, man. He marries her twice. <laughs> that's why I think Caroline might be Nethgala, is because the relationship doesn't feel like super earned. Yeah. Like in these in these two two uh, one and a half books, right? They've they've interacted a decent amount. I mean, it kind of hints, there's like a chapter where it hints that they had been spending mm-hmm. a decent amount of time together, but we're, we're not seeing it. And I don't know, like they, they kind of make out for a little while and like, I'm stoked for both of them. That's awesome. But at the same time, I haven't really seen that much between them. So it would kind of make sense that Caroline is Nethgala because it's just Caden getting yeah. tricked again. Right. Cause he's just, it's just over and over and over again with Nethgala. So I'm going to call that right now. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think it that might, might be, be the case. It might be. I hope you are wrong because poor Caden <laughs> again. Because we're not seeing very much of Caroline no. either. It's really the only right? time we see we her is with Caden. I think I'm onto something here. Dude, you might be. You might be. 
Uh, real quick before we jump into the next synopsis, the whole thing with Rohan and Davian. See, that part for me was so forgettable that we bear we didn't even touch on it for this oh, right. whole conversation because it was. I think Davian needs stuff to do, obviously. But and I kind of called it in that last episode before, where I, you know, because you had said that Rohan was just on his own side, but it turns yeah, out Siner Siner sent him out to go to tell Shen. But which I was disappointed at, frankly, not just that I was wrong, but like we just don't need another level of intrigue. I was just hoping he was some rogue asshole walking around, you know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's more interesting this way. It was kind of interesting because by the time they finally got Rohan locked up, he was pretty traumatized and he was like ah, i've seen the end of the world i keep dreaming the end of the world and that was that was really intriguing for sure it kind of mm-hmm. made rohan a little bit more interesting because i think it yeah. would have been less interesting honestly right if it was he was just like this rogue whatever but it's but it is kind of right. weird that like so much so many words so many pages are being committed to davian kind of like figuring all of this out and the part where he goes into the vaults and he grabs like this dagger and like this amulet and like Aaron and Fessy. He grabbed the swords. I, was I know he didn't grab the swords. I thought he was going to. Yeah. I honestly really did. He never grabs the swords. The first time he gets a sweet sword, what does he do? He's like, this thing has killed so many gifted and he throws it into the bushes. I, honestly, the, the, the Davian parts of this last read, read through this, this last section, I was just so bummed when I turned the page and I figured out mm-hmm. it was a Davian chapter. I just didn't care. Like I, I'm really interested in what's going on with Weir and Asha and Caden, but Davian, I just, it's just. Why isn't he just going, just leave? He's such an idiot, dude. He's such an idiot. Like, why doesn't he just go up to the boundary? He's not doing anything. But that's why I was so frustrated with this whole part is because eventually they are told to go to the boundary. And it's like, why didn't you just go in the first place? Why like, don't you just go? Yeah. Like, why are you in the politics of the school? And they're not even into the politics of the school. It's like barely the yeah. politics of the school. You know, like Davian's walking around being frustrated and training with Shell. And then this guy just shows up and then and then it's like this big thing. But they're able to take him down the second they try to. They just they're just like, oh, let's do it. And then they do. And then it's just like the plan was pretty masterful, though, was it? It was a good plan. Yeah, because they had to trick Driskin. Um, they had to tell him false information, then erase his memories. They had to plant a couple levels of deception in there. So, so glad was like, you understood you know, that. I was, thought that was all. It was pretty far outside of the realm of Davian's mental capacity, and that I haven't my uh, <laughs> that I that I give to him anyway. You know, so I was like, all right, good on you, bro. Good on I you. Know, I thought the whole thing was just really messy. It was messy. Like the end of that chapter when he was kind of recounting everything, it was like, okay, well, we had to erase Driskin's memory. And then if, if Aaron was out here, then Fessy needed to be here. But only if Fessy like is over here doing this <laughs> specific thing. And then they need Michelle, to really and, believe that it's Shell. Yeah. And I don't know. I just thought that whole thing was, and it, the whole time it was happening, I just kept thinking, why aren't they just going to the boundary? Why are they dealing with any of this right now? And then someone's like, you have to go to the boundary. And it's just, it's just like, oh, well, yeah, that that's Thank cool. God. Like, that's a good thing they're going because they should have been doing this the whole time. But like I said, like I'm gonna say a bunch more times while we're reading this book, I'm sure it was significant, and there will be a reason for it, and and I will get my comeuppance eventually. I feel like I'm prematurely frustrated about a lot of things in these <laughs> books, right? Where I, and it's I've already been showing up a few times where I'm like, that shouldn't have mattered, and it totally did matter. So. Like maybe by the time I'm actually done with this book, I'll have learned my lesson and just let the series do its thing. But 
the reason that I don't like it very much is because it just doesn't make for a very entertaining read sometimes. It's like boring, I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't want to be confused for 45 pages, you know, and yeah, like if I was making this into a movie, I would make his entire time at the scene at the school, the Tolshen, just like a montage of him like training and then probably just cut out the whole Rohan. <laughs> but see, that's the problem. <laughs> but is maybe it, that'll be really important exactly, later on. I don't know. You can't cut out the yeah. Rohan thing because they leave him alive, you know, for a reason. And they even have a thing about it. And then you know, like Siner being involved with Rohan is also very strange. And we haven't yeah. seen Siner at all. We haven't seen him one time. No. We haven't seen Ashad Rahin. There are a lot of spinning plates here. There are a lot of spinning plates. That's one of the reasons why you're right. It does make for a more interesting Rohin um, arc. The fact that he's connected to Siner, but that's why I was hoping that he wasn't because in a story full of secrets and nuance and complexity, I just wanted like this a-hole to come in and then get murked. And then they move on with the story. Like, cool. There's one for the back pocket. Like the team overcomes and moves on. He, we can use this event as a lever to get him on to his story again, back on track as opposed to just milk toasting around the countryside, you know? And it didn't even do anything. It didn't even make, uh, no. it didn't even make Davian more approachable or uh, amenable or whatever to the council at Tolshin, which is what you thought it was going to do, right? Yeah, me, yeah, totally. I thought it was going to be his end because he saves him. But then all of a sudden, Davian's in talking to Drisk and Thrall, and Drisk and Thrall's just like, you gotta get out of here. And yeah. it's just. They hate you now. Yeah, the opposite of what I thought was gonna happen happened. It is really strange. But, you know, fine. If we need to have the Rohin as the lever to uh, the vehicle that gets Davian out of there and back on the road, great. Let's go, baby. Um, all right. Time bubble magic. <laughs> yeah. Time bubble magic. Okay, so it's a really cool concept, and it's awesome in concept but then all of a sudden we f we learn if you t touch someone or punch someone while you're moving that fast it'll really mess them up right so obviously physics is still a thing within the time bubble so now let's think about this for a second if you were running 200 miles an hour like would you be able to turn a corner like not for hundreds of feet right maybe it's it's not explained but like you're supposed to infer that they kind of shut it off real quick, like right at the corner. Oh, oh, and then like switch real fast. And then, you know, but man, that's rough on their bodies to be going from like 200 miles an hour to no miles an hour. That'd be some force, some G's right there. And then like, okay, maybe it doesn't happen within the bubble. I guess, but like the air around them would be, would be like jello. I feel like, you know, it'd be so thick because they'd be, there'd be so much uh, resistance there and their, their hair would move. Like their hair would be totally sticking out back behind them. But they'd be walking slowly, right? Is am I wrong on this? Or would like their their eyelashes would be like plastered up against their eyeballs? I don't think you're supposed to think about it that much. And then if you jumped, like there's a few times that he jumps. If you were jumping and you were going like 70 miles an hour, you would jump for like a hundred feet. You know, you would be uncontrollable for a long way. And which brings me to another point. Why is no one fighting with a whip? This is the best whip weapon. Like the best weapon for time magic is a whip. Why? Because you just like get it going. Because it's already got the speed thing at the end, the little crack. Oh. Imagine what that can do while you're, you would cut someone in half and you wouldn't even have to hit them because that thing would go be going so fast. It would make a cavitation bubble. It's like how the mantis sh shrimp kills its prey. It like strikes so fast that there's a pocket of nothing left in the water. And then the water collapses in on itself so fast that it'll like concuss the fish next to it. And so I think that would happen, would it happen with the whip. Um, and so you wouldn't even have to be that accurate. You could just like concussion bubble, you know? I mean, I'm just going to give you the same answer that I feel like I could just give you with every single point we ever make in these books is I guess we'll <laughs> find out soon because yeah. I'm just saying I would be, I would be the whip guy. There's no whips in fantasy. 
like where there's whips like uh indiana jones and then like uh like the belmonts from like castlevania that's it yeah but i think we've dug into this quite enough and i think it's time Probably. for synopsis number two okay as a group is organized to travel to Dylanus, Asha volunteers to go, hoping to uncover more information in the Great Library about the origins of the Shadows. At Carolian's urging, Wur sends Brashada as well, with Asha agreeing to try to teach the former hunter how to control Essence. Not long after they leave, Asiliar violently attacks the palace, believing Caden to be hiding there. Many are killed in the Mad Rampage, including Wur's bodyguard, Anden. Deldry, Wur's sister, among several others, is injured. Only Alaris's appearance and subsequent subduing of Asiliar eventually puts a stop to the unchecked violence. After the attack, Desia inquires after Elric, and she and Wur realize that he has gone to deal with his financial backers for the Song of Swords, who were angered after he deliberately lost the final match of the tournament. Desia, deeply concerned for her brother, leaves to go after him. On the road to the boundary, Ishelle is ambushed by flying creatures, which leave her all but dead until Davian arrives and is able to revive her. Though she is quickly healed and able to continue on their journey north, it is clear that the severe injuries she suffered during the attack have taken a toll. Asha and Brashada, along with the rest of their party, arrive at Dylanus to discover that the bridge is guarded by snake-like creatures known as the Dargaithin. They attempt to enter the city, but in the ensuing fight, Asha falls from the bridge into the river below. As Wurr prepares for Galadra, his mother, to officially challenge him for the position of North Warden, he discovers that while holding an oath stone, he is able to force anyone who has a mark, either gifted or administrator, to follow his instructions. Despite Terrace's urging him to use this newfound ability to consolidate his position, Wurr resists doing so determined to find a way to remain the leader of the administration without resorting to such objectionable measures. Good on him. Good on you, Wur. Man, Wur just can't catch a break. His own mother? I have a theory. What's your theory? I think Wur's mom is being controlled. I agree completely. You're right there with me? I'm right there with you. It makes so much sense. It this does. Is his, it's his mom. Right. And it seemed like his mom and Elosian had been kind of on the rocks before. Yeah. But we hadn't ever had really any mention of Weir and his mom having any kind of animosity between each other. So I think something's going on with Weir's mom. Yes, something's definitely going on. She started ordering because like they have that um, run in on the road, the party. Uh, the party going to Dylanus has the run in on the road with those soldiers. Right. And the soldiers try to take Brashada. And they're like, the Lady Galadri or whatever is sending us out to, she told us to arrest everybody who's a shadow. And so I was like, what is Galadri doing controlling the soldiers and having them go out and be like, ah, something fishy's going on there. Her attitude toward the gifted is pretty in line with the other administrators, for sure. So I wouldn't, you know, if she's not being controlled, that kind of makes sense too. Right, I and guess. she could be just super salty that like nobody told her what was going on. Like she didn't learn that where was gifted until whenever she did learn, but not while he was out at the toll training. I am so bummed out for Weir that he, you know, we were both kind of worried that this was going to happen, but yeah, I was really sad. I know. And like, I don't usually root for characters to continue 
living in ignorance. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I know. I don't always want that to happen, but for Weir, it's like, he already had so much He's got enough on on his plate. Yeah. Right. And it's just to find out that his dad just like wasn't even as on board with him being gifted as he thought he was. And it's just, it was like the one hat that he could, the one hook that he could hang his hat on. Just like, well, at least my dad and I had some like really good bonding moments at the end there. And man, they were fake. And this is right after Asiliar comes in and just blows the whole place apart. And now he's got to deal with that. And not only, I, I thought that was a nice touch when, you know, it's like you would think that he'd have the council on his side with all of this, but no, they, think just, so. they, they hate him even more now. Right. And uh, poor Weir, that that whole scene was one of my favorites in both of these books. Yep. So far Come from, from left field. Right. And that is, you know, that is one of the cool things about these books is just when you think, oh, we're settling into boring, maybe some tropey territory, just this wild thing just comes up and Asiliar is here she is shouting she wants blood and she's you know and and Andin dies and not only does Andin die I I didn't cry but I swore a lot I was yelling I was like ah I almost threw my book across yeah dude I was like mad at James right James why did you have to cave Andon's head in? Yeah. Like, oh. like let him die with some honor. Some honor, like, yeah. Right, I, like, I literally have that in my notes. And, like, the reason why I'm so mad is not that he died, per se, like, even though I didn't want him to, but, like, he just dies for no reason. Like, a, it's like an afterthought. It's like, oh, right. man. It's like, darn. oh, here's, like, one of the most lovable characters in this whole series just had his face caved in. Mm-hmm. Brutal. It's like, do we need more things taken from poor Weir right now? Right. And now it's like, now Weir's even more alone. Mm-hmm. And Desi is setting off to go find her uh, her brother, right? Right, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's like he's even more alienated than he already was. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, some good some good parts there. Like, oh, so, so good. That whole sequence and everything that's going on with Weir has really cemented me into this series, for sure. And, you know, I mean, I was already into it, but now I'm, I'm really on board. And I was worried too. I'm not going to lie. I was a little You were worried. worried. <laughs> I was wearied. <laughs> you know, at the beginning of the book, I was just like, ah, man, if this doesn't start getting exciting soon, this is going to be a whole. He made us earn it. That's for darn sure. With a couple but... hundred pages. Yeah. I was kind of like, okay, man, we need to have something happen here. And then boom, out of nowhere, things start happening. Like I said, one of his skills is one to surprise you at turns where you're like, okay, I, I kind of get this. I know what's going to happen. Nope. No, you don't. And, uh, but it was true to Asiliar's character, right? She's kind of crazy, and she's just like, I'm just going to go rampage because she's super powerful, and she's immortal, so why wouldn't she, you know? Right. And she's been wronged, you know? Yeah, oh, like, majorly wronged. But we got some really good movement with Weir and Desia's relationship, right? Because the king is like, well, I'm thinking about making Aelric this position, which will basically make him a noble, which will make her a noble, which, who knows, might open some possibilities for you, Were I was really worried that it was going to be a whole Dizia, Weir, Brashada, like love triangle Ugh. thing. And I just didn't have time. I don't, we don't have time for this. No. You know, I don't want to deal with that too, on top of everything else. So I'm glad that Dizia's whole reaction to everything is like really funny. I like Weir and Dizia's interactions. Like it's very realistic the way that they flirt with each other and stuff. And it's just like a nice breath of fresh air with everything because Davian's just clueless and just can't. He just. And those are frustrating parts to read, but Davian's like the sort of guy who puts like his shirt on inside out and like doesn't notice the entire day. 
like backwards with the tag face yeah like just like tickling his chin you know you're like dude what but no i i completely agree um i was really worried when he has to kiss brashada or brashada kisses him and to like get that other guy who's gonna come talk to him or whatever to just walk off and then she confronts him desia the next day and i was like oh please don't have this be like a super dramatic thing where she doesn't talk to him for a couple days and and he has to grovel and then she makes a joke out of it because she knows where his heart's at and i was like okay cool thank you that was awesome good backbone character not some little drama scene you know i want to talk about asha real quick the part where they're uh, accosted by the administrators i thought that was really cool really good idea to have asha stick up for brashada like mm-hmm. that really in line with asha's character uh brashada is super badass Super badass. I like Prashada a lot. Uh, I like that line where Asha's like, what if they took you away? I mean, like, what if, what, were, what were you going to do? And she's just like, I mean, what is killed them? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that part was really cool. Um, but then they get to Dylanus and um, the whole part with like the snake, snake creature things. And what do those things look like to you in your mind? In my mind, they're like four legged lizards, but with really long snake necks. Okay, Does like a like a yeah, like a three horned dinosaur, but it was like a giraffe neck sort of thing. Um, no, not really. Like a they they, they look like like a like a salamander. Like a oh, black okay. Salamander, but with like a really long, like cobra type neck. Okay. It's kind of like how I picture it, like all black. But I mean, I'm probably wrong. I'm sure that they're no, really that's better than what I had going on because I just kind of like all I had was the mouth and the teeth, and I was like, eh, right, this yeah. carrot, this thing is not fleshed out in my mind very well. And then they get into the city, and it's just you see one of the uh, one of the other gifted, like her head just rolls through, and yeah, yeah. that part was really, really, really that, neat. Yeah, just like things you can are, see, things are absolutely picking up in mm-hmm. a way that is more in line with kind of like how exciting I wanted. I don't think that we're going to lose any momentum here. I'm drawing a lot of similarities. I mean, like, obviously, there's a lot of similarity to draw between this and the Wheel of Time and Stormlight Archive and stuff. And he writes a lot like Brandon Sanderson in a lot mm. of different ways. You don't think so? I don't know about that. No, I mean, maybe maybe he's trying. <laughs> I don't think it's as I don't think it's as good as Sanderson. No, but I, th- I think uh, not by a lot. Just, just like in his 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 action scenes. Um, his, his his ideas for how to implement magic systems and world building and stuff. Yeah, I, mean, I just see Brandon Sanderson's world so much clearer yeah, in my head. I, mean, I think you know? I think Sanderson does a, a much better job at. He's at, a masterful at least, like, writer. Um, at, at immersing you, like I don't yes. feel super immersed when I'm reading this. Like I don't really, no. I don't feel like any of the cities or like landscapes or anything are like particularly distinct from one another, except for I guess like Dylanus because it's like covered in fog. Right. Um, but I also feel like Dylanus is kind of really similar to Shadar Logoth from Eye of the World. Yes. But like I do see there is a trend and maybe you'll agree with me on this, but or a similarity between him and Sanderson in that there's a lot of buildup in these in the first third, two thirds of these books. True. I do but then agree. once that momentum starts going at the end, like the the ending of those Stormlight books are just out of control. It, out of control. They're know, just off I mean the like hook. the end of The Way of Kings is like just two hundred pages of just absolute chaos and and i'm kind of getting that vibe with this too where like Mm -hmm. once that ball really starts rolling you know it happened in the end of the the first first one yeah where things are starting to happen really quickly and it's my snow globe effects that i mentioned so many times like that's what i want just shake it up i like it i mean it it sucks that i have to work for 400 pages for it it's like eating a pomegranate it's like so good but so much effort yeah and and i think that maybe that will lend a lot to a reread Right, mm-hmm. because my first read through of this, what what I'm mainly looking for is to be entertained, entertained, and yeah, 
and I'm not being entertained and immersed. I'm being informed for a long time and then being entertained. Yeah, it's and, like I feel like I'm working in the library along with them half the time, you know. And you know, we we know this. I mean, like you and I are both veteran uh, epic fantasy readers. I should learn my lesson by now, but. <laughs> I just want it all right now. I want. I know. I'm so entitled to like. But you know, time adds value, so it'll probably be better when we do actually get it. Right. Exactly. What did you think? Because of the little subtlety. Now, this is how subtlety should happen, as opposed to like a quirking of the mouth or something. I love the pause um, when Asha is rolling off the the bridge. She's hanging on by a thread. Layman looks at her, stops for a second. And then decides, and he runs over and slides on his knee to get her, and she slips into way. I read that part a couple times. Me too. Because yeah, because I was like, he's trying to tell me something here. Yes. Either he's trying to tell me there's some more sinister because she has a conversation with Lyman uh, right before this all of this chaos starts happening. Yeah. Where she's kind of trying to question him, and he's just like, "Look, we need to talk about this later." Because she right? calls him. She calls him another name, and he's yeah. like, "I don't know what you're yeah. talking about." And he's like, "Yeah, you do." Fell. Bell, yeah, I think that's that's what I it think is. you're right. I think it was um, good memory, dude. Thank you. Uh, but that conversation was weird, and I was like, okay, well, I mean, I guess we're gonna talk about this later. And then that little hesitation that he has before he tries to help her that was good. That was really, really cool. Yeah, that was. I'm glad you pointed that out. That was real good. Yeah, that's the way we add some dynamic mystery to our characters, like that. I love that sort of thing. And you know, it didn't make me think that he's bad, it made me think that he's calculating in that right. he hasn't he has an overarching goal and he ran his actions saving her through the filter of that goal to see yeah. like is it for the greater good because i think he's still a good guy i do think he's a good guy i just think that he's working on some secret plans with terrace yeah i don't think that he'd be involved as involved as he was or is with terrace if he wasn't like ultimately i think you're hitting that like perfectly i think that's totally true yeah, I think you just had to think about it to make sure, like, let's see, both are out of the way. What would be the consequences? No, I should probably save her. Okay. Another really excellent part that I loved reading was when Shell is attacked by those flying creatures. Uh, doesn't a Shateth show up too? Yeah, and saves them, I'm pretty sure. You know, and obviously the part before it was silly. Yeah. Oh, we're in the middle of nowhere. Just go on your little walk. It'll be fine. There's nothing dangerous out here. Like dude, every time you, this, every time you guys go off on your own, like something terrible happens. And well, sure enough, she's stapled to a tree. And I love that part where Aaron is just like, come on, man, what's going on here? <laughs> and Aaron is just, I mean, I, I felt like Aaron throughout the first book and a lot of this one has been a little on the dorky side. That's kind of just how I picture him. I He's picture like the him hacker just, one. You're right. Yeah. And even Aaron's just like, what are you doing? They like, did. <laughs> and then Davian's like, all right, I'll go talk to her. It's like, like, no, no. Yeah. She really likes making me feel uncomfortable by laying her head on my lap while we're out traveling. Dude, get out. No. Well, okay. So that, that there's a part, and I didn't write it in, but it's in the first chapter of this recap that we're doing. It's chapter 17 when Davian wakes up in that com block cell and a shell is in the cell with him? Yes. Was she being controlled by Rodan at that? Okay, so yes. it kind of, uh, I had to kind of confirm that with you because mm -hmm. I thought that's what it was. So that makes Davian seem a little bit less dense, I guess. Yeah, he did figure it out. I had to think about it because like when I read it initially, I was like, dude, she was in the cell with you, like telling you how much she liked you and how upset <laughs> she was that you were so into Asha. And now you're just sitting here like, oh, she just likes to mess with me. And so mm -hmm. that makes me feel like Davian's a little less a little bit less dense but i do think it was believable their conversation because i think she does have feeling for him oh absolutely she absolutely does yeah and i think 
Rohin saw that or probably pulled it out of her somehow and then capitalized on that, knowing the dynamic that they had, you know, and they always yeah. allude to Rohin doing like terror, making the people do terrible things. You know, like, I wonder what did you catch that? Like, did Ishel like sleep with one of the I don't know one of the, like the uh, one the was like, you killed my something? you killed my husband. Right. Um, that was a weird part. Too. I just kind of got the idea that she was acting as Rohin's like right hand dude through it all. No, that because was she was the totally most powerful magic on. user yeah. um, and the only person that could protect him from an auger. Dude, the gifted must be really like so stoked when they learn that they're gifted. Like, ah, oh, you're so powerful. And then it's like, yeah, but you are nothing compared to the augers. <laughs> the augers are just like, read your mind, step outside of time, which leads me to one of my favorite scenes that finally one time that he was not milk toast, old Davian gets all pissed off. I love that. He just he gets mad. He, gets, he instantly regrets it. Which, you know, I don't know. They kind of deserved it. Oh, when he kind of told them all off for, like, wanting to kill yeah. him. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Then they hit a shell. Yeah, they hit a shell on the back of the head. And she's going down. Davian gets super pissed off and takes them all out in, like, yeah. half a second. I think Davian really shined here. He was really proactive. We got to kind of see, like, the inner workings of his head a little bit more. We got to see him react to a lot of, the, like, different trauma that he'd been through. It made me a lot more empathetic to his whole situation even though i still think that it's the weakest plot line right now like i just i feel like it's just a lot of it's taking up space right mm -hmm. now if there was i mean you know if there was something that was taking up space right. I, i'm sure all of this he's back on the road again so i have high hopes so there's not really any caden chapters here no no there's very little caden i thought caden was going to come in and kind of help out with the whole Asiliar situation Same. we didn't see him at all and then Alaris kind of embraces Asiliar and then stabs her in the back. It says almost lovingly he slides this. Ugh. That was really, really cool. I mean, think like people are dying. People are getting hurt. People are oh, being ripped apart in the air, like blood showering down. I mean, is Asiliar dead? Well, every they can't die. Unless it's with one of those swords. So she'll be born somewhere else. And then it'll, they've alluded in the past that when you die, you'll come alive somewhere else. And then it'll take you a while to like figure out and go back. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of glad we didn't have any Caden chapters as much as I do like them. It was nice to focus on Weir and Asha and Davian and kind of like flesh them out a little bit more. And because I felt yes. like if, if, at least for the first three, 400 pages there, it was bunch of Caden kind of weighing down the story in a good way, but it was a lot of Caden. And then it would kind of like flash to like Davian, Weir, Asha, just kind of walking into rooms and talking to people, um, which so it made the first part of the book feel a little bit like slow and lopsided. Mm -hmm. So hopefully Caden comes back for this next 200 pages. And it's and, and then the momentum for the, all the other characters is here. We just have this big, cool wrap up. Do you think the party will meet up at any point before the end of this book? That'd be really cool. That's the logical thing to happen, right? I mean, or at least some of them. It'd be cool if Caden showed up in Dylanus, obviously. And, and what's his purpose? Uh, so Caden is trying to get a vessel from Nefgala. That's right. He's Yep, okay. The, the siphon. I think that's what it is. I think it is too, yeah. From this particular block of chapters, the thing that I didn't really understand was why asha is going to dylanas like she's trying to figure some is she going to the library yes she's going to go learn about shadows how did she know about that library i think davian told her okay but she can't activate the 
thing the 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 google machine that tells her where to go you There's know probably some kind of vessel that she can use or something you know? something maybe well she did bring a bunch of gifted and that thing needs to be powered up right because david was like well it's empty now and he left there um but yeah. you can repower it um it's basically like the dewey decimal system magic style uh is there anything in the next 200 pages that you're really excited about that you really want to see where that you hope gets resolved? Yeah, I want to see the boundary. I am. I have so many questions. I want to see, is it a wall? Is it just a big magical barrier? Is it a, you know, a, a place of electricity or magic that'll make you the hairs on your back of your neck stand up when you walk through it? Like, what is it physically? How does it look like? How does it operate? What's the land beyond it? I'm like, I got boundary questions and I think we're getting there. I think we're definitely getting there too. Um, what about you? Are you interested uh, or looking forward to anything? You know, it's funny because I'm not usually a huge fan of political intrigue, but <laughs> I'm really interested to see what happens with Weir. It's been built up that he's got so much on his plate right now, and I just want to watch him break through all of this opposition and see what he can do with maybe some actual support and yeah. some help. He's a good guy. He's earnestly trying to figure all of this out, right? I mean, so I'm excited to maybe at the end of this, because everybody's off doing fun adventure stuff, right? Right, and he's stuck ruling a city, which is kind right. of boring. And I'm thinking like, there's probably some sort of really intense revelation that he's gonna come to. I don't know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he digs up when he's actually got some support, because he's trying to figure out all of these questions that he has about the tenants and vessels and all, all this stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm excited to see what's going on with Weir. And I've had those as like major questions in my mind for the last 1300 pages for sure. Like what is the vessel? How did it get created? One other thing that I want to mention before we wrap here, very odd and maybe kind of confusing uh, flashback that Dave Davian has where he blasts into some group of mysterious people and they're dead. It's Grisandra split into like 12 people. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, and this is where, which led me to my prediction, which I think I'm going to say, and then you can, and, and we were talking before the episode, you have, you have, you came to the same conclusion, was that when he's walking out, he mentions Nithgala, he goes, you know, you have a lot to make up for or something, Nithgala, because my name's actually Davian. And then I was like, oh my God. So before you say what I think you're going to say, yeah, I forgot that Davian being an auger means that he can see the future. Or that he has visions of the future. Yeah. That was a uh, so for that whole little spot, I was really confused because I thought he was having a flashback. Oh no, I think it's a flash forward. It's a flash forward. And what's up with him being dead? See, that's Dude. why I think that our no, see, this is why okay. That's why I think that the prediction that you and I are both sharing right now. Do you want me to say it? You say it, you say it, you say it. <laughs> do it, do it. Chad and I both think that Davian and Caden are the same person. The same person. I think We're they are. Argue... This is episode five of our nine episode recap of these books, right? And if you're listening along and you've already read these, maybe you're laughing to yourself. Don't send us an email. Don't email Do not us. send us an email. I encourage everybody to email us about anything else, but please don't spoil this for us. But I think Davian and Caden are the same person because he had mm -hmm. that vision where he tells Nethgala that his name is Davian. He has to correct her and say yep. his name is Davian. And also, there's this weird thing that's been touched on, but not really very well explained, at least not, I have. I, have, I feel like it hasn't been very well explained, that Davian's actually dead. Yes. And Malshash explains it to him, who 
is Talcamar, I believe. Right. So, I think we're yeah, pretty certain Malshash on that. Malshash is Caden as well. So yeah, so they're all yeah, yeah. So maybe Which I called they, the Malshash being Talcamar thing you did, in the first a, book a while ago. I was, I was stoked on that. I wanted to make sure everyone realized my brilliance. <laughs> because it's all it's all timey wimey. Yeah. Right. Like, and yeah. that's why I think that like maybe some of these other people are also some of these other people. Like, I think you know, like yeah. Caroline is Nethgala, or um, like I think we're Once again. We're, I think we're for some, I don't know why I haven't, I haven't put it together the same way as I've put this other one together, but maybe we're is Alaris because Davian and we're best buddies, right? So yeah. it's like maybe everybody has like this kind of shared experience, yeah, like a thing. mirrored person in the future or past that's coming right. in there to give him. And that's why Melshash was able to train him so well, knew how to do that perfectly right. because he's training himself. And also, why would he not want? Davian to think of the future and he kind of does it like you've got enough going on you don't need to have visions of the future mm -hmm. and it's like well yeah well maybe he'll see what's going on also why he would take his own memories as Caden Talcamar and wipe them because he needs Tim's his that self in that time to not know that he's interacting because it might like you know blow up the time space continuum or something by interacting with yourself that much we're either really onto something here or we're way off base. There's going to be way a off. weird like Asha Carolean one Caden love triangle thing going on though if we are right. Unless Asha's Caden too or maybe oh, everybody's Caden. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's Caden. Right? It's like this weird solipsistic kind of thing where like Caden's the only actual character and this is just he's just like in a cell somewhere thinking yeah. about know. Maybe this Dude, is like the that the that, one, that one show What's that? I, uh, General Hospital or something? There's like that really famous yeah. show that ended and it was all in a snow globe and some kids like bed or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's something. It's all connected to Twin Peaks. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's dude, all in I the think, Twin Peaks universe. I think we're onto something. I love how we're still, and, and even in the book, they're still using the name Caden. Caden is the name that he took from the farm boy that he yeah. killed. I know, you know, I don't it's like, like that at all. I wish I that know, those, it's weird I, that he stuck with that. I really wish that those italicized chapters were from Talcamara's point of view. Yes. I don't I know, I know what's happening. I just feel like it's like, no, this is Talcamara. Right. Like, he's not the farm boy. Like I know it's Caden. Yeah. I know. I'm I'm here. I've been reading this. Like I know yeah. that it's Caden. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> but I think that's a pretty awesome place to wrap it up. We I made agree. some predictions dug really deep into some of this stuff and hey maybe we're wrong maybe we're right but i'm really excited to wrap this book up next week with you and get on to the third one too this this uh this series i'm not gonna lie it kind of maybe lost me there for a little bit for the first part Thanks. of this book but i'm right back on board with it and me too uh, james eilington if you're listening to this you've uh you wrote a hell of a trilogy here dude and you know what he has so much balls for this being his first book we got timey wimey yeah. we got characters that are so many names the lore and if we, if this is going to be anything like the first book, he's going to hit us hard in the last 200 pages of this book. And I'm really looking forward to it. And for anybody listening that wants to read more from James, uh, I call him James. No, yeah. We're and emailing, we're emailing. Back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is actually working on another series right now called Hierarchy. I have no idea what it's about, but there's more coming from James Islington. So that's pretty cool. And we'll probably go over those on here as well. Absolutely. And for everyone who forgot, James has agreed to answer ours and yours questions. So please email us them at book.reviews.kill at gmail.com. We really appreciate y'all sitting here with us and reading along. And we will definitely see you on the next episode of Book Reviews Kill. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Every time. <laughs>